0: You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Amen.
1: Yeah, amen. Okay, I think we got everybody. Great, great. Great. Let's um, really think about the Word right now. It's great having everybody here, a lot of great holiday stuff. I want you to have a mindset, though, to really receive the Word and hear what God is trying to say to us today. Amen? So our theme, and one of the things we're going to talk about a lot this year, the first half of the year, is renew, being able to renew. It's a great theme in the Bible. Um, We want this, obviously, sort of leading all the way up until April, we get to uh, Easter, and we get to resurrection. So we're going to start with renew, building, aiming up for resurrection, Um, Today, I'm going to talk about a couple of things here. We're going to talk about God's vision for us. I'm going to use Matthew 13 and a little bit of Titus for that. We're going to talk about um, the world and our adversary. We're going to talk about patterns and design. We're going to talk about light. And we're going to talk about love. But I want to show you a brief clip to sort of just visually... Get this picture. I saw this. Somebody sent me to this, and I felt like, oh, I need that. That's going to set up our thoughts uh, today here. Well, so um, watch this uh, quick clip here.
0: We learn about wars and stuff, but this actually happened when yeah. we were alive, we and I don't like remember the day grade. when it happened. So such a tragic event and then something that survived and is still alive. It's just so cool to see. It's the survivor tree. It's a calorie pair that survived the attacks on the World Trade Center. During the attacks in in 2001, uh, the World Trade Center, when it collapsed, it fell on the tree and it decapitated it. When they were doing the cleanup at the World Trade, somebody noticed it amongst the rubble.
2: It had one branch still alive, this branch right over here. was poking out of the debris field and it had given off some leaves. Now, trees don't give off leaves in October, unless a tree is dying and wants to live.
0: Unless the tree wants to show the world I still have life. The decision was made to bring it to Van Cullen Park so that we could try to nurse it back to health. When the tree first came in and I saw it, I didn't think it would survive. My boss, he said he thought it would survive. And he showed us how to take care of it, and we all did. And the next spring, when the buds started to come out, you could see there was life in the tree. And there was actually a dove that had laid a nest in the center of it. 2007
2: when I get hired as a construction project manager I had remembered the story about the fact that we salvaged the tree and I wanted to find this tree. So I went up to the Bronx to find it and I fell in love with her the second I saw her. She was a fighter and so we knew she was going to come
0: back here. It was really amazing to see the tree come back here. I wanted to make sure that it got here okay. You
2: You can look at this dark, deep burrowed bark at the bottom. And then all of a sudden there's a transition to a very smooth bark. And these are all brand new growth after 9-11. This is 9-11 and before, tells the story of what happened on this site. And this tells the the damage from 9-11 itself. And this is all a brand new growth after 9-11. And so in this presentation of its very skin, it talks about the the horror of that day and the, the healing recovery of that day as well. This tree is still here like we are still here. And this tree is thriving and surviving. There's no reason why we can't.
0: I would say resilience, because United States is resilient. Yeah. And I think it's amazing for it to just bloom and show what America's going to do in the future. So, thank you, God. Who ever imagined that it would be such an important symbol for America and for New York City? And
2: she was the last living thing to leave this site. And she's here right back. that great stuff? The survival, the
1: surviving tree, the survival tree. Uh, Tanya and I were there in 2015, and I don't know if you've been to um, the the 9-11 Memorial. It is really moving, and sort of right out front, there it is, between where you enter and where the reflecting pools are. Um, But to think of this tree that just about died and has come back to life and is thriving has a lot of meaning and significance, obviously, for us as a church, for you as an individual. You're a survivor. You've been through what you've been through. But you're here today. What does that mean? You're not dead. You're not dead. And some of us, we sort of barely made it through last year. And we're hanging on. And should I quit? Should I bail? Can I do it again another year? You're not dead. And so maybe some of our church, maybe some of our people, we've got a little bit of that crusty bark down below. But this is a year. We get all that nice... New, smooth growth and flowering and expansiveness and trust that our core, we got a great core. And being here today, being here to start the year, there's nothing better, Amen. So let's think about that as we go forward. And I want you to think about um, what a little bit about design. So we went on a quick little trip up to Yosemite, our family, right after Christmas. And it made me think a lot about design, Ken and I, and our leadership. We've been talking a lot about vision and who are we and what do we, where do we want to go next year. And I was reading this book called Grace for the Afflicted, really good book, just speaking about how spiritually a church community offers grace for people that are hurting. And the, one of the first chapters is about what's going on with people that are hurting. You've got the rebellious and you've got the weak and or the hurting. And the rebellious are the rebellious. I think they're kind of obvious. Um, we just sort of know, oh, you know, they've got a bad attitude. They don't want, they're rebellious. The weak and the hurting, that's something a little bit different. And we talk about depression. We talk about anxiety. We talk about um, um, addiction. I really appreciate newbie today talking about suicide, talking about hard stuff. Well, that's, we got to be a place where we can come and deal and talk and transform that kind of stuff. And one of the things we talk about, well, when somebody's suffering like this, is this just them? Are they being hard-hearted, or is this like demonic attacking? Is this demons? Is this the work of demons? And it's really difficult. I don't know. I think that's a whole other sermon for a whole other time. But Jesus is greater than demons, amen? And if Jesus is in us, we can't really be demon-possessed but we get beat up and we get hurt and we get afflicted and we've got to learn how to do a little bit better with each other that way. So God had a plan in the very beginning. They're in the garden. God wants to walk with them. God wants to be close to them. God wants all this access with them. God wants them to be in this place of vitality and, and happiness and growth and he wants to be with them. And so again, we talk about how people are hurting. Is this, is this the devil um, attacking people's minds? Well, think about the design at the beginning. The devil doesn't have to possess Eve. He doesn't possess her. He just leads her to doubt. Did God really say? That's it. Did God really say? Don't eat from the tree. Did God really say that? Is that what he really, is that really what, it's just all doubt. So God has this big life design for us. And the devil has one also. And a lot of it is about just doubting God's design for your life and your kids and your family. And one of our first challenges in renewing is being able to right, resist the devil. He wants us to doubt that God's design for our lives will really work and we'll be spiritual and fruitful and faithful and make a difference and die and go to heaven. That's the plan. He do not want you to believe that. He doesn't want you to think that you can do that. Um, Neil Postman... I don't want to do too much on this. We lost a little time. Wrote a great book, uh, maybe 20 years ago, called Amusing Ourselves to Death. And in this book, he just simply says, you know, here we are um, 20 years after George Orwell's 1984. And that generation, really more my dad's generation, was sort of, wow, are we going to end up, if we lose the Cold War and communism sort of takes over, we might be looking at sort of an Orwellian world, this totalitarian government that um, in which there's no freedom and total control, and it's dark, and it's terrible. But Postman says, you know, at the same time, Huxley wrote a book called Brave New World. And in Brave New World, there is no totalitarian government. Everybody basically has what they want. Everybody, there is no suffering. There is nobody, there is no poverty. Nobody goes without. But basically, these folks numb themselves to death. And that ends up being the title of his book, Amusing Ourselves to Death. And I want us to think a little bit about this again. Wow, just in our time, in our current time, we're at a real crossroads. But our world america didn't go towards orwellian totalitarian government we've gone we've absolutely gone huxley's route brave new world we just amuse ourselves to death. we're just so full of distraction i mentioned this before up at ucla i think two or three years ago they did this experiment mostly students right 10 minutes you got to do 10 minutes alone with your own thoughts 10 minutes no cell phone no no nothing just 10 minutes with your own thoughts and if you can't do that, if it becomes painful or hard for you, we're going to hook you up to a little electric shocker. And if you want to leave, and it's a real zap, it feel like a bee sting. You, you can just hit the button, you'll get a zap, and you can get up and go. And over 70, about 73% of the men, took the sting. And upon leaving, quick interview, why did you choose that? I just can't be alone with my thoughts. It's too hard. And about 65% of the women, thank you women for doing better uh, than the men in this experiment. Uh, But but about 65% of the women took the sting. No, I don't want to be alone with my thoughts. I'll take this, you know, give me my phone. Get me back to uh, healthy distraction. We, We are at a real thing. This is a real thing. Psalm 51.10. You remember that Psalm 51.10. Create in me a pure heart. Here we are, beginning of the new year. Resolutions, whatever. Create in me a new heart. And a st- renew in me, what? A steadfast spirit. A steadfast spirit. A new heart and a steadfast spirit. So we talk about design, and God's got the garden, and he designs the garden. These are mustard seeds. We've got a little mustard seed coming through here, right? And um, I was thinking about design on this trip, and three little things happened. Three little things happened. I thought, yeah, this just makes me think a lot about design. You know, you buy yourself your favorite bag of chips, And now they've got a little tear at the top of the bag, right? It's supposed to make it really easy to open the bag of chips and enjoy your bag of chips. Isn't this right? But what I do is I open it it just always sort of goes all the way down. And all of the chips end up on the ground or in my lap if I'm driving in the car. And I was thinking, you know, this isn't a great design. I wish I were in charge of the design. I'd make it go horizontally so it's nice and easy to close, and I can do the claw. I can sort of go down and do the claw and get some chips and hold some chips. And I just lost so many good chips to this terrible design. <laughs> we're up in Yosemite and join chips. And we're driving up and over the valley, and it starts to snow. Right now they're just having, like, An apocalyptic storm up there and they go yeah you gotta put your chains on I'm like chains I can do this right guys pull up your belt chains it's snowing girls I got this girls I got this and everybody's pulling over and putting on their chains I've got my chains I'm feeling good about myself I'm feeling like my man card is intact I've got my chains it's snowing I'm going out into the snow and people stop usually five ten minutes they put on their chains they're off ten twenty thirty minutes later I'm sweating and I'm wet, and I'm A, okay, A, B, I got B, C, I got C, D, I got it right, but they keep falling off. What am I doing wrong? Let me do it again. I did it all again. Forty minutes, forty minutes, and a guy stops, gives me a nice little horn. Uh-huh. Um, you got rear rear, rear view um, rear wheel drive, and you put the chains on the front. It's not going to work. <laughs> Thank you. I know that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You want some chips? You want some chips? take them off, put them on rear because it's a rear wheel drive. I know that. I know that. And and I'm a little frustrated. Now I'm a little frustrated because I'm thinking it's not a good design, the chains. It just shouldn't be that hard. And this one guy pulls up behind us and he stays in the car. The wife gets out, puts the chains on. I'm like, I got this. I got this. No, I got this. Put the chains on. Now we're an hour in. Girls, we're ready to go. Chains on. Chains on. guys ready? This is so exciting. Oh, Badger Pass is going to be so exciting. We go um, 20 yards and the chain snap break and just fall off the car. (laughs) I
2: thought,
1: you know, I'm, I'm I'm not an engineer. I'm not an engineer. I follow the directions. I'm good at Legos. I'm good at Legos. I don't think it's a good design. I don't think it's a good design. So we motor off. It's a long story. It all works out sort of in the end. And the last sort of design thing there, now I got my chips. And now I'm going forward. And I drop chips. And what happens when you drop things in the car? Do they land, you know, in an easy place right on my leg to get them? Where do they go? Into the hole of darkness. Into the hole of darkness. Hallelujah. I don't know how many times my phone. The keys. You know, once a month I might move the seat up and pull out $35 and change. (laughs) Because it doesn't fall in your lap and it's nice and easy to get the quarter and put it in the thing. It falls into the hole of darkness every time. What's the statistical probability of everything falling into the hole of darkness? I don't know. But somebody please call Nissan, Ford, Chevy make them do something about the hole of darkness. It's bad design. Read with me, please, in Matthew chapter 13. God's great. He's a designer. He's a builder. And He wants to build a people. He wants to build a church. He wants to build a great thing here on earth. And He doesn't use a lot of engineers to do it. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 31, he says, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. And no, it's the smallest of seeds. Look at that little seed. It's just a, oh, there it goes. It was there. There it is. It's just a small little seed. Though it's the smallest of all your seeds. Yet when it grows, it's the largest of the garden plants and it becomes a tree. A tree, survivor tree, so that the birds of the air can come and perch in its branches. Yeah, yeah, that's what we are. We're this little seed. And God, again, wants this place that speaks to our lives and our faith and our community and our city and and for design to build this giant structure, this superstructure, this spiritual temple. He gives us a couple little mustard seeds he says, all I need is a couple little mustard seeds. If I can get a couple little mustard seeds, this thing can grow into this great tree, great tree, great tree. In which birds come and flock and nest and families come and are safe and families come and can worship and people come and can know God and people can get out of the world because the devil has a design for us and it's totally different. It's about doubt. The devil has a design for us and it's about hatred. The devil has a design for us, and it's about violence. And we've got to understand that, that we do have an adversary. We do have an adversary. We have to be very careful. Don't take, don't take, we don't take him lightly. Um, but read with me, if you will, uh, uh, to sort of finish up this design point. Look over in Titus 1. I'm going to use some passages in Titus. Uh, I love Titus. It's, it's just simple. And Paul's trying to get Titus to plant and grow and lead a church. And he writes him this letter. And he's on this island called Crete. And, you know, Titus, I'm going to leave you in this place. And I want you to do this thing. I want you to build a church. And in chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ for the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. A faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life. Which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. And at its appointed season, its appointed season, He brought His word to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God our Savior. So again, the devil has design for us. But God's design is that you... And I do what? According to this passage, we come to a knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. Now, some of us, we've been coming to church. Maybe we're studying the Bible. Maybe we're visiting. What's that look like? What's he talking about? He's talking about a conversion. He's talking about becoming a new man. And nowhere in the scripture does he say we pray Jesus into our heart to make that conversion. The Bible teaches that we repent of our sins, that we make Jesus Lord of our life. Amen. And look over here. Keep going with me. Chapter three. Verse four. A knowledge that leads to truth and godliness. Verse four. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior appeared, what did he do? He saved us. He Saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done. But because of his mercy, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously. Gosh, that is great. There's a saving knowledge that leads us to godliness, that ensures our place in heaven. And it's about this repenting and change. It's about this leaving the darkness. It's about this forsaking the world. And what does he say here? And then we're washed. We're washed. We're made clean. Made clean in baptism. We know that from Acts chapter 2. Isn't that right, church? And so we've got to remember that's part of our core. That's part of God's design. That's part of God's vision for us, this design. How many people is that going to happen for this year? How many people are in West L.A.? Quite a few. Quite a few. We've got to make the church this place that proclaims truth, that allows so many hurting people to be able to come in and go through that. Lastly, I just want to say this, you know, newbie talked about it, we're renewed by light, but we do have a real epidemic in America, we have some real issues with mental health. Suicide rates, again in 2016, are at an all-time high. Seven veterans, seven veterans, every day kill themselves. Today, seven of our veterans, American veterans, are going to kill themselves. Suicide is just a reality. It's a fact of life that we live with. We become overwhelmed. We fall into despair. Despair is painful. People want pain to end. It sounds so silly. How could they be so selfish? How could they they think like this? People want pain to end. So they start thinking about solutions. They start thinking about what's it take to get pain away. And we need to be praying for our family and for people that, again, this tree, this tree is a safe place to come and wrestle with those kinds of things in our life. Amen? Secondly, let's talk about being renewed by light. Renewed by design and renewed by light. Again, addiction levels are at an all-time high right now. You know, I think some of you have seen this in the news, but, you know, um, it's sort of lost vogue the last 10, 15, 20 years, but heroin use is huge right now. Heroin use. I thought, gosh, I thought heroin use, I thought we sort of, like, not malaria, but smallpox, I thought that just sort of really gone out. But um there are twenty-three million people in America that are addicted to substance. Twenty-three million. It's about the it's about the size of Texas. So we're talking alcohol, drugs. Of the twenty three million, about two million are addicted to painkillers. Oxycontin and these things. Of the two million addicted to painkillers, close to a million are addicted to heroin. A million. And the police in some of these places in the Midwest, it's really bad in the upper Midwest right now, are releasing these shame photographs. I don't know if you've seen them, but they arrest these people. They're in the parking lot. It's a husband and wife. And they're passed out on heroin. And there's a child in the backseat of the car. They showed another one. A woman at Toys R Us. And she's passed out on heroin. And the little girl, her the little daughter, the little three-year-old girl, is trying to wake up her mom in Toys R Us. And two people, just, you know, young people, passed out in the middle of the street, in the middle of the street. And the police are releasing these photos because they don't believe that we get what's going on out there. It's stunning. How do you get to that place? How do you get to heroin? Uh, uh about 60 milligrams of heroin, a big pill, is gonna cost about $60. So if you've got an accident, you've been hurt, you're on a painkiller, and you don't want to get off your painkiller, you want to go buy them. They're about sixty dollars a milligram. Heroin is about a tenth of the cost. Heroin's about a tenth of the cost. So I think it helps us see the, some of the economics of these things. People can't get off it; they want to keep going. You go from painkiller to heroin. Why? It's the same thing. It's just it's all a different. It's just a different form of Opioids. It's all just opioids. It's all just distraction. It's all just getting away. Addiction is uh, the devil has a design for us, and it's about darkness. And we've got to see his plan in this and realize 23 million people, we all know somebody. We all know somebody. We're going to know people. We're going to know students. We're going to know family members. We're going to know neighbors that have serious problems with addiction. And it just destroys. It's a lightning bolt. It destroys soul. It destroys heart. It destroys families. Opiates and heroin are so difficult right now. Look over in your Bibles to um, Titus chapter 2. In Titus chapter 2, again, Paul's still trying to help Titus do this church. He says, hey, you got to help people become Christians. And then we're going to help you. Then you've got to find some elders and train some men and women. And I'll get into that in a little bit. But you got to just train them to be good people. Just train them to be good people. Faithful, husband of one, uh, one wife, self-controlled, a good man. You're looking for a good man. And what, what, what leads us to this? How do you become a good man? How do you become a good woman? Well, Titus 2, Paul says this. I love this passage. Verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness. It teaches us, it tells us, it shows us, it teaches us how to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. And here we go to live self controlled. Brothers, self controlled. Brothers, we need self control. It teaches us, grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and live self-controlled lives, upright. That doesn't mean we're yelling at wives. It doesn't mean we're yelling at kids. Self-controlled, upright. Wives, it doesn't mean we're whacking kids to discipline them and kicking them and pushing them around and losing our temper. That doesn't work in home. That doesn't teach and train. God says you've got to teach and train, not whack and kick and smack. We got a lot of that. I got a lot of that. I got a lot of that. Teach and train, but not violence. While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great and God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own. Amen to that, church? Amen to that. What do you need to be saying no to? Everybody's got something that we need to be saying no to. And now this is key for you because you can't be seeing God up in heaven ready to kick you like a soccer ball. That's not what the passage says. It's not the fear of judgment that teaches us to say no. It's not the fear of embarrassment or telling other people in church and being found out, that doesn't really teach us to say no. That's shame. That's just a lot of shame. It says grace. Grace teaches us how to say no. Grace teaches us how to start again. Grace strengthens us and gives us resiliency and resistance. Grace infuses us and gives us energy and allows us to not tap the button on the computer. It gives us the strength, teens, campus people, to put our phone down and stop scrolling and get away from social media and feel present in your life. Grace, not the fear of getting kicked in the head. God's trying to show you this is how we design people. This is how we design church. Grace teaches us how to make these kind of changes. But I want you thinking about what you need to be saying no to. We all need to be saying no to something. I love that passage. Um, and for your own sake, Colossians 3, another great passage just on putting on the new man. Amen. Putting off the old man. Put on the new man. Mm, and being renewed. Amen. Renewed by light. Amen. What does it mean for us? Transformation. Transformation only happens in the light. This is where I think a lot of self-help and even a lot of psychology doesn't work very well because we stay so hidden. We stay so covered. we stay. There's still a lot of concealment. There's not a lot of transparency. If we don't have transparency, if we don't have light, we're not going to have real transformation. Part of God's design is light. Brothers, be in the light. We're going to start a men's purity group before church on Sunday. We're going to start a men's purity group before church on Sunday. If you're having issues with purity, please come to the meeting. We're going to have it go off and on. We'll have different leaders, and/or shepherds, sort of facilitate the group. It's not a time to be keeping score of your sins. It's a time for you to be in the light. It's a time for you to get brothers involved. It's a time for you to be able to go, I had a bad week. I had a bad week. I need help. And get some good men around you to work through whatever we need to work through. Amen? We're going to start that in two weeks. I think that's going to be fantastic. We're also planning on um, starting a chemical recovery group. And hopefully, as we go forward, maybe a grief group. Just some places where, um, again, some working groups where we can get people a little more help, a little more strength. Transformation happens in the light. Darkness. Martin Luther King said this. Amen? His birthday is next week. We're going to be celebrating um, Martin Luther King Jr. next week. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Only love can do that. Amen. We've got to be a people that's committed to being in the light. And we've got to be renewed by love. So Such a violent country. And again, the stories over um, the break are, are heartbreaking. Uh, last year, 16 and 16, we had 16 mass shootings in 2016. A mass shooting is any shooting in which four or more people have been killed. We had 16 of those in 16, our highest ever. Of those 16, half of them, eight, half of them, it was the women and children that were killed. It was a, women, a woman woman plus at least three children that were killed. That's a lot of violence. That's a lot of violence. On average, nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the United States. 20 people a minute. And many of us have experienced this and or we saw this in our homes growing up. During one year, this equates to more than 10 million women and men one in three women one in four men have been victims of some quarter, some sort of physical violence by an intimate partner in their lifetime one in five women one in seven men have been victims of severe physical violence by an intimate partner in their lifetime wow we got singles we got teens we've got campus people you guys are looking for a good christian partner person a husband a wife someone that's going to love you and you can share your life with but these stats are frightening. And it's violence that begets violence. It's addiction that begets, uh, that begets addiction. This darkness is viral. What do we always do when we do intake, w- mental and or physical and whatever it is Well, tell me about your parents. What, tell me about, does anybody in your family an alcoholic? Does anybody in your family, and we hear this a lot, a child comes to CPS and they're being hit at home. And the father, the mother goes, gosh, I was hit and I, I wanted so much. I've heard the story. I wanted so much not to be like my dad. I just wanted my kids not to experience what I experienced. And now here I am doing the same thing. Why? Because we do what we know. We do what we know. We learned it. What? We learned it. And so, frankly, it's a miracle. It's a miracle that our whole sort of country isn't engulfed in, 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 in all this. I mean, the numbers are staggering, but it's only God in which there is light, in which there is some real change in the world. And I want you thinking about this. It's not okay. It's not okay. We've got to make a stand against it. We've got to be a safe place. We've got to be a, a place where it's more men than women can deal with what's going on inside of them. Um, Matthew 24, Jesus is talking about the end times. And he says, you know, many will fall away. And he says, the love of most will grow cold. Love grows cold. I want you to check right now. Where's your love? Where's your love meter? Love grows cold. It grows hot and it grows cold. It grows hot and it grows cold. And Jesus says, love grows cold. But if we're going to be renewed, we've got to get back to being loving people. If we can't be loving people. A new command I give you, to love one another as I have loved you. By this, all men will know you're my disciples if you love one another. We've got to be the people that are more loving than anybody else in the world. That's what we're called to. That's how we know. Do we have to have super secret and spectacular and this and that big? No, you've got to be a person of great love. And only you can control that. Only you can control that. 2017, more love. Amen, church? Chicago, Middle East, so much violence. How do you become a loving person if you grow up in so much violence? It's only God. It's only places, communities, churches where we can learn and be converted and get away from our past. Amen? And too much of this going on in our homes. This poor gal, right around Christmas, her name is Cynthia. And the oldest daughter is Yamalin. And the next one is Cynthia Jr. And then you have Abby And then the little one is Ida. And right before Christmas, an angry father shot and killed them all. How many more guys? How many guys are in our city right now with that struggle going on inside of them? How many families are needing the truth that's in the scriptures right now? This didn't have to happen. This didn't have to happen so we be renewed by love. Finish with me in Titus chapter 3. Amen. Very simple. Very simple, church. What do we need more of? More love? And Titus says, hey, there's a great plan. We're going to convert people. And there's a great blessing and promise for them. Grace teaches us how to change. How to say no to ungodliness. Okay, good. I'm doing good. Then what do we do? Then we do a lot of good. Four times. Watch this. Titus 2, at the very end of verse 14, he's trying to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do good. Chapter 3, verse 1, to be ready to do whatever is good. As you say, chapter 3, verse 8, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. And in his last remarks, verse 14, our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good. Spatial repetition. Four times. Help them become Christians. Teach them truth. Give them hope. Give them this grace that teaches them to resist and, and, and be strong. And then teach them to do good. And be devoted to doing it. And learn how to do good. And be ready to do good. Church, learn to do good. Husbands, be ready to do good. Wives, go home and do good. Children, be good. Students, more good. Singles, ready to get out there and just shower and see good. Neighbors, find neighbors, be good. What does that mean? You'll figure it out. Don't think too hard about it. Just go do I might be... Just do good, he says. Do good. Four times, he tells us, do good, do good, do good, eager to do good, ready to do good, devoted to good, learn to do good. Here we are. God leaves us in a dark place, dark world. Why? Because the devil's got designs. His design is about darkness. His design is about doubt. His design is about hardness and hatred. But again, king tells us, only in the darkness can you see the stars. And as we lead today, I want you to see stars for your life. Stars for design. See the star for light. Light in our life, more light in our life. See the star for love. Design, light, love. This is where we're taking us. We're going to be this mustard tree that grows up into something powerful and strong. that transforms us as a people and transforms our community. We're going to close with a song. So excited, church, about the new year. I think we're going to do great. With all of our ministry, so excited to be, again, with the Chows and the Shumps and the Zentenos and our leadership group. Let's all be praying together that God uses us in a great way, with great design, to be the mustard tree he needs and desires us to be. God bless you. God bless the church.
0: You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit Westsidechurch.com or laicc.net.